Yes. Welcome to Dominion Sonship Life again. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And it is a, um, a revelation message that I am, um, really seizing all, all previous understanding of interpretation and perceptions to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, to be able to communicate out of this new heart, out of the new man, out of this new life, to communicate to you sight, to communicate to you sight, because really sight comes through a hearing. Sight comes through a communication, which is the very word of God. And so we have a message today, and the title that he gave to me this morning was New Birth Sight. New Birth Sight. I would recommend you listen to last Sunday's message regarding his sight. His sight, the eyes that see, referring to his eyes that see. And now that we are born again, we have his sight. This is not about me with my natural eyes looking and beholding the risen king, but this is a sight that the new man through the new birth has been granted the very sight of God, the very knowing of God, the very understanding of God, the very hearing of God. This is of your spirit man who is made in the image of the Lord Jesus Christ in true righteousness and holiness. Our spirit man, Colossians says, this new man is made in true righteousness and holiness, opening up of ears to hear today and unstopping of a heart and heart to understand what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, that we now through this new birth have his sight and ability to see and understand the mysteries of the gospel, to understand the mystery of this new life, to understand the very glory of God that now abides in us to understand that we are now part of a glorious body and that we now have been given mighty Holy Spirit the spirit of wisdom and revelation and so let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 we touched upon verse 18 last week the eyes of our understanding and we looked at that word understanding and and it was the word cardia and it was used in scripture about 800 times and never once was it used in regards to your natural human heart it's to do with the inner man of the heart the hidden man of the heart is to do with the with this new birth man is to do with your understanding that is of God your 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 spirit man your spirit man you see we are a spirit and we do live in a body our natural body houses the spirit and we do possess a soul our mind our will and our emotions and so we are now as new believers as believers in christ through the new birth we are now to navigate out of this center this epicenter of our spirit man indwelled by the holy spirit to navigate life as as the victors to navigate life as christians after the man of christ to follow solely after the lead of the spirit which is the shepherdship of jesus and so sight is of great importance this spiritual sight let's go to ephesians 1 17 this is about paul praying paul praying 
regarding these, these believers in Ephesus because he heard of their faith. He heard of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the love they had for all the saints. And because he perceived their maturity of walking this walk of faith, of walking in this walk of love towards others, he is now praying for a greater unveiling of spiritual sight. This is not regarding carnal Christians. This prayer is to do with those that have already demonstrated a walk of faith and a walk of love. This is about growing up further in Christ. You see, you see, we always will undergo transformation. We always are called on this potter's wheel of being shaped and molded according to his good pleasure. What does that look like? It looks like conformity to his son. It looks like no more me of my carnal man and carnal desires and heady understanding, but solely directed by the spirit of the living God. And as we walk this walk of faith, it is marked with the walk of the cross. So that, so that resurrection is the very portion of life that we are releasing on a daily basis. The very life of God. And that what I said was a mouthful. There's no shortcut to this walk of glory. There's no self-preservation to this walk of glory. Jesus says if we choose to preserve our lives, we will lose our lives. No matter what the tags that we carry, a Christians from such and such church, from such and such denomination, my pastor is so-and-so, my best friend is so-and-so, Carries no weight. What carries weight is a, is a growth of this Christ nature for us to allow him to have preeminence over our lives. And so here we go. This prayer that Paul was praying that the, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, not the moon God, not the sun God, not the star God, not, not, not the, the, uh, down the street, not astrology. No, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one that will bow the knee to and give an account for our lives. The creator of heaven and earth, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of glory may give to you, may give to you. Where is this gift going to come from? May give to you the Father of glory. It's coming from the Father of glory. May give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In the knowledge of him. In the knowledge of him, this is about us knowing him. That this revelation...
revelation, this unveiling of sight that revelation is, to an open sight to divine reality, this is of God. It is of God and it's to do with us knowing Him. Not, not about us fortifying our carnal flesh. And getting the whims of the carnal flesh satisfied. I like the New Living Translation of this verse 17. Paul says, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you, to give you spiritual wisdom. And that word is Sophia. That is an ability of skill to know how to use this wisdom. This knowledge divine. To give you spiritual wisdom and insight, an insight, a sight to see. An insight so that you might, what's the purpose here? So you might grow in your knowledge of God. This prayer is for greater growth. This prayer is that they bear more fruit for the kingdom. This is not about knowing something that is separate from God. This is about growing in faith. And the key to growing in faith, verse 18, continues the eyes of your understanding. That word eyes is, of course, eyes, but it's also your mind's eye. Of your understanding. If I look at the strongs again of that word understanding, the eyes of your heart, the strong translate, the strong concordance reads, is like I said, cardia, and it was the heart, the effective center of our being. The effective center of our being and the capacity of moral preference. And I, I spoke, a scholar referred to this as a desire producer that makes us stick. That is desire decisions that establish who we really are. So that that moment within us that is moving us, propelling us, establishing who we really are. And of course, the word says that God alone establishes us in Christ. That, that that inner moment is of God and not of man. This moment of understanding is to be fully, fully, fully transformed by the thoughts of God. And this is where we can think of Paul writing to the Corinthians to bring down every stronghold that's opposing this divine understanding that is stagnating and staggering this growth of knowing him. And therefore, spiritual sight is of a key importance in this moment. What you perceive your life is about, what you perceive you're called to do, you are of God and you are on a 
assignment from heaven on earth. You are not just a mere human being making from point A to point B, trying to manage a household and pay your bills and babies. Maybe if, if things go right, you can be maybe kind to someone. This is about a divine calling. This is about being a Christian. This is about eternity. Eternity. Eternal, eternal purpose that is working according to the counsel of His will. That we have been predestined to be conformed to Him, the Son, and that we are to know that we are ever placed before Him in love, face to face. Where is there condemnation? When the Word says He's already justified us, not only justified, but He's even glorified us. Why glorified? Because we have been raised together with the Son of glory. And where the Son of glory sits, we sit in Him. Divine purpose. Divine election to be found in Christ. This is the story of your and my life as a Christian. And truly, this is the story of the universe that God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son to die for us so that we might live for as many as have received Him. To us, it was given the right to be called children of God. This is what this revelation is about. This is what this unveiling of sight is, is to know your good, good Father. And to do according to his assignment. As Jesus walked earth, knowing one thing, the Father's will. Seeing one thing, the Father's will. Hearing one voice, the Father's voice. That is his will. Back to Ephesians 1.17. Asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit. That word, of course, is wind, breath, spirit of wisdom, which is Sophia. It's insight, skill, intelligence. I love when, when you break this word down, the word study. A wisdom properly, clarity, to give us a clear sight. Clarity, wisdom. It's from the root of the English term sophisticated. Philosophy, literally, respectively, the art of using wisdom. And so what is Paul saying? I pray that you be endowed by the Holy Ghost in this ability to know him, to walk him out on earth, to walk him out on earth, to use his divine wisdom to manifest the Father of glory, to walk him out, how to walk out this, this life of God. Sophia, this wisdom, ability. And then the next word is revelation. 
the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's what we're talking about. This new birth site, revelation. Apocalypsis, right? That's the word. That's the word. It's an unveiling, uncovering, revealing revelation. But take note of the word study. Revelation unveiling is principally used in the revelation of Jesus Christ, the Word. Jesus Christ, the Word. Not to hear the enchanted voices of demonic communication and think you got a revelation and be in bondage and slavery to the ways of the world and be taken into darkness thinking you walk in light. It is used in the revelation of Jesus Christ, the word, especially a particular spiritual manifestation of Christ, his will, previously unknown to the extent because it was veiled and uncovered. And so now in Christ, he says, Jesus says, it's been given the privilege to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Now they're wide open to us, but I tell you how you'll be able to navigate in these wide open places of understanding is through an uncluttered heart. That's why he's saying the eyes of your heart to be unveiled, to sight be granted, wisdom be granted, where to this inner chamber that moves you, your heart. And then, of course, I think of the parables of the four grounds, the four different types of heart, the stony heart, the troubled heart, filled with the cares of the world and the desire of the riches for this world. The shallow heart, God excited, but like the meditation of the word of God. And then he stole the words, and therefore they lack the understanding. They lack the understanding of what they heard. Hebrew talks about that crowd that did not mix the word that they heard that was preached to them with faith. that did not enable their heart to be uncluttered so that when that pure, fertile seed of his life, which is in the word, lands in my heart, it will produce a harvest for the kingdom. And thus Paul prays for us believers that the eyes of our heart of understanding be enlightened. Enlightened means for light to flood our eyes. How does light come in? Through the revelation of the word of God. The revelation of Jesus Christ, the word. And last Sunday, I looked at the book of Revelation chapter 1, 19, identifying him as the word. The living word. This is not just me writing on a piece of paper. If you feel like it, sometimes you read, and if you don't, you just don't want to read my Bible again. Why should I always read my Bible? I've already read. I know, I hear it. When I got born again, I read, 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 read. I know it all. Now I don't need to read anymore. Well, we have to be careful lest we go in deception. We need the eyes of our understanding to be flooded with light. Flooded with light. And the entrance of his word brings light. I'm talking about light. Light, light from these words is coming in my heart, enlightening my heart. And what happens at that moment is I let go of the cares. Oh, 
have to worry about this. Oh, I don't have to pretend about that. Oh, God loves me. And that's when my heart opens up. And revelation discloses itself to me. Himself made known to me. Made known to me. Revelation made known to me. Oh, about a year and a half or so, I talked about this word, the knowledge of him, epinosis. The knowledge of him, epinosis. And at that time, I'd come across a write-up by a preacher, and it was titled, Epinosis, the Highest Kind of Knowledge. And so what Paul is praying to us, it's not the gnosko, it's not the idol, but it's epinosis. Knowledge. And this knowledge is a knowledge of participation. Not just a knowing, but it is where you are becoming an expression of this divine nature. That you are now, you are now purchased and ordained to walk in and walk out. We'd looked at that time, Gnosko being revelation knowledge that is just an, uh, um, I'll just read here. Things the human mind can't easily perceive. For instance, the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we walk in Gnosko, suddenly those truths are revealed as being true to us. Suddenly, revelation light dawns and like, wow, the word of God is true. That is the entry level, Gnosko. And there's, of course, an intimacy in this, in this revelation with the working of the Holy Spirit. But from there we move to the next, which is idol. And that revelation, that sorry, that knowledge is an awareness that comes into our life once we know this word is truth. We recognize that now there's certain rights that we have, and really the highest right is to know our Heavenly Father. That this word now grants to us privileges of divine life. This word idol, awareness, is, is where it shows us all the wonderful blessings that God has deposited in our life. Christ in me, the hope of glory. However, it's not enough to just be merely aware of all the wonderful blessings God has bestowed on us, but we have to start enjoying or living those out. This is a transformation. This is where we're becoming doers of the word of God. This is where the reality is that it's no longer me, myself, like Paul wrote. Paul says, one thing I do is I forget what me, myself was like. I forget that which was. Because in, to the Corinthians, says, that has passed away. Behold, all things are made new. And now Paul says, I'm attaining to lay hold of that which is laid hold of me for. To know him in the power of his resurrection. But he there in, 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 in that chapter, in Philippians chapter 3, says to be conformed to his death. So he may know Christ resurrected. To walk out this life of resurrection here now. That's epinosis. To participate in your awareness. Epinosis is knowledge with participation. 
a revelation knowledge that comes to you full through your participation in that knowledge. Through epinosis, you understand how to apply the knowledge you've received and the power behind that revelation. It is the highest kind of revelation knowledge and it comes to you through meditation. The meditation of the word of God. So you're not a shallow ground. And the enemy at his own wiles comes and, and robs you of the entrance of the light that's come in. Because you've kept it so shallow, so shallow, so heady, so heady. So Paul's prayer is that we be deepened in this life of Christ. And he'll tell us here, he'll tell us what it, it would look like for us to know. To know what? The hope of his calling. The Father's call. That we do have a heavenly Father and he's predestined us for glory. Not for wrath, but for glory. And we say, well, the next moment to know is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Christ in me now, the hope of glory. The very Son of God are being conformed to daily. And the next moment is about the indwelt Holy Spirit. So here we have the Trinity of the Father. The Father's called the Son that we conform to and the indwelt Holy Spirit. These are the three items that Paul is praying that we know who is the Father, who is the Son, and who is the Holy Spirit. God, three in one. To know Him fully. The eyes of understanding to be enlightened to who He is. God, my heavenly Father, walking earth in conformity to the Son, being indwelled by His Spirit. That same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. This great exceeding power that works now inward of us who believe. Believe what? The Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we talk about this sight, we're talking about a revelation sight that comes from this new birth. That is a sight that is of God. So that we will know God. So that we will know God. And we looked last week in um, Hebrews 4. That this was really the sight of the Word of God. The sight of the Word of God. In Hebrews 4, 12 talks about the Word of God being living and powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit. And of the joints and marrow. And is a discerner. Here we go. Is a discerner, has insight. Isn't that what Paul said? I pray for this insight that you have, that you walk in it. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. This is the sight of the very word of God that Paul called himself a minister of. A discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart in verse 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. 
But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And so therefore we can look at now verse 12, go back there and see spiritual sight looks like living and powerful. This is an alive sight to behold the living God, to behold the most powerful God. It is a sight that's made to see him alone. And his word gives us this sight. Why? Why can we have access to it? Yes, through the new birth. And this is where I'm going to go to 1 Peter now. 1 Peter 2. A lot of these verses I've, I've spoken of. But I'm telling you, this last couple of weeks, there has been a shift of my understanding. Everything has changed. Everything was changing and it seems suddenly everything changed. But it has been changing for a long time. A transformation that started on the road of Damascus for me. It was when I, when I, well, I don't know how many years ago. 30 years, just, yeah, 30 years, I'd say. Just over 30. In a night vision, I hid and I was, I went to bed. Had a night vision of Jesus on the cross. And I knew that he was the son of God and he died for me. That was when I fell off my donkey and scales, scales fell off my eyes. And so this work, walk, conformity, this transformative work of the Holy Spirit has been ongoing. But here we see what Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2. Actually, 1 Peter 1, sorry. 1 Peter 1, 23, I believe. Actually, let's do 22. Since you have purified your souls. In obeying the truth, in obeying the truth, it's all about obedience to the truth. The obedience of faith. It's all about the obedience of faith. That's where our eyes are enlightened. The spiritual sight comes alive to see him alone. Obeying the truth through the spirit, it's through the spirit. It's not of yourself. It's not your little eyes seeing with the eyes of faith, whatever that looks like or sounds like to me. I don't know. Or to you, I don't know. But I know now it's of the spirit. This is his very sight, the very sight of the spirit. That's why he said, I pray that the father would give you, would give it this, this, this spirit of wisdom and revelation, a greater, a greater movement of it. So you grow up in him. So your eyes be enlightened of your understanding. So your spirit may be uncluttered by the flesh carnal state of life. Through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. With a pure heart, because we know the pure in heart will see God. See, when you're in pure heart, when you possess this pure heart of the Spirit, you will walk in love towards the brethren, because all you see is God. And this is what all of us are pressing into. This purity of heart, all we see is God. 
Having been born again, this is it, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, non-perishable, eternal, through the word of God, 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 which lives and abides forever. And so because we are born from this incorruptible seed, through the word of God, we now have the sight of the word of God. Take note in chapter 2 here in verse 8, the, the latter end of verse 8, they stumble being disobedient to the word, being disobedient to truth to which they were appointed. You see, you are appointed to live the life of the word. And if you, if you refuse in your heart, in your heart, like you know it all, you don't need the word no more, you'll stumble in this disobedience to the word of God. In this disobedience to the word of God. And if we go back to Hebrews chapter, actually in chapter 3, we see the example The Israelites of old, hardening their heart when they heard him speaking to them. In Hebrews 3, 7, therefore the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, his voice carries his word. His voice carries his word. And faith comes, this uncluttered heart, this pure heart matures, faith comes through the hearing, through the hearing of the word of God, through the hearing of faith. So you walk in the sight of faith, through the hearing of the spirit, so you walk in the sight of the spirit, through the hearing of the word, so you walk in the sight of the word. For that which you hear gives you sight. That which you're mindful of will set the course of your life. When Jesus rebuked Peter, when Peter said, no, no, Jesus, you, you not, you'll not be killed and crucified. No, Jesus, I know better than you, living word of God. That's what the carnal flesh is. We come in the very presence of his word, but no, we know better, Jesus. It's not going to take a crucifixion of my life. I want to walk in my flesh. I want to have my way. What is it? Eat the cake? What is it? Something about the cake and eat it too, or have your cake and eat it too, something like that. Foolishness. Selfishness. Wanting to experience the world when we build for an experience of the word. This manifestation of glory that Paul wrote to the Ephesians that he's praying for their sight to be full. Full of him. So what does 
Jesus tell Peter in that moment? How does he rebuke, rebuke him after he says, get thee behind me, Satan? Speaking to Peter, he said, get thee behind me, Satan. And then he qualifies it because you're mindful of the things of man and not mindful of the things of God. And so here we see a group of them, the old Israelites, mindful of the things of man, hardening their hearts, the things of God. God calls it rebellion. And that he was angry with that generation. Why was he angry in verse 10? They always go astray in their hearts. The epicenter of your life. They've not known my ways and therefore they'll not enter his rest. Because verse 12 says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, a dullness of sight, that you close the eyes of your understanding to the living God in departing from the living God, but we're to encourage one another, lest we be hardened. How? Through deceitfulness of sin. Deceitfulness of sin. The word says anything that's not out of faith, that proceeds out of the mouth of God is sin. Ha ha. Tough. Narrow is the way. That's not condemnation. That is about propelling us further in this, in this truth of life. That's to take us back, back, back to the very epicenter of our life, the word of God. That is to flood my understanding. To know him. Verse 18. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who did not obey. To the very ones that had seen his glory. In manifestation in the desert. Through the pillar of fire and the pillar and the cloud. Cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Fed by manner. Experience a supernatural deliverance out of the world, out of Egypt. He says, beware, brethren. In verse 12 again, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Such as we see this example here. In verse 19, so they, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. And as I said earlier, because it, it, the entry of the word that did not believe, did not mix it with faith. Let's go to Hebrews 11. We'll wrap it up here. New birth sight. The very eyes of God we have access to. Through the very voice of God. That is found in the word of God. This word is our sight. This word is our hearing. And this word cultivates a lifestyle of faith that is fully pleasing to God. The life of God is this life of faith to believe him alone by seeing and hearing him alone. 
a singularity of thought that is of him. Just like Jesus, nothing distracted Jesus from the mission he was called to do. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So we now be called Christian. So we now be taken out of the clutches of death itself into newness of life forever with God. I said Hebrews, right? I was already in Hebrews 11, right? I lived the wrong way. Now faith is. Now faith is. Now faith is. Is faith. Faith is. As God is. As his word is. As his voice is. That's why he says today when you hear. Today, today when you hear his voice. His voice is today. Faith is now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen, for by the elders obtained a good testimony. Well, we know why. If we go to the call that God called Paul into, let's do that quickly because it was in my reference, so I... I feel impressed to, to look at that. In the book of Acts, Acts 26. All of Paul's writings stem from this mission right here. And this was the mission that Paul was called into. And he by faith fulfilled it. He says, I've run the course. I fought that good fight of faith. I kept the faith, Paul says. To the very end, that which God entrusted him through his word, through the audible voice he heard on the road of Damascus. By it, he obtained a good report with the heavenly father. He said, there's a crown waiting for me. Not just for him, but for all of us that walk in the obedience of faith. What was the assignment on Paul's life? Acts 26. Jesus speaks to him in um, the, the, the end of their 15. He says, so, so, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you. Actually, that was the end of 14. It's hard for you to kick against the goats. Verse 15, so I said, who are you, Lord? Blinded, hardened heart, an evil heart of unbelief. Isn't that what... Jesus called the, 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 the Pharisees, you blind guides. Heady religious mindsets. No tenderness of heart. The eyes of their hearts fully closed and shut to the word of God. For there was the word of God in front of those Pharisees. And they would not heed his voice. So here we go. What does Jesus speak to him? Jesus says, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting, but rise and stand on your feet for I have appeared to you for this purpose, for this purpose, this assignment to make you minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of things which I will yet reveal to you. Revelation knowledge. And Paul says, you know, as they follow Christ, you follow me. He knew which was the way to go. It was through the supernatural sight of revelation. 
the revelation of Jesus Christ that came to him, not through man, but by the Holy Spirit. And so things have yet to be revealed to you, he, Jesus says, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles of to whom I now send you. This is 18, to open their eyes, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. See, when our spiritual sight is open to see as he sees, we are being turned from darkness into light. We're walking in his most marvelous light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness is as we walk in his light. And an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me. Back to Hebrews 11 too. I read that because I see Paul here as one of our elders. For by the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. That which we do not see was framed by that which he alone sees. For all things are laid naked before him. And in that sight of his he frames according to divine purpose. So the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And so today we have access into this sight, his sight, the sight of the word of God, to know that our life is framed by the word of God. Through his most supernatural sight of hearing his voice. So the things which are seen, were not made by things which are visible. Glory be to God. We're done for today again. Amen. Amen.